Good afternoon, or good morning, or goodbye, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. If you're wondering, it is, of course, the Witch Car Weekly, the week in review, uh, the instalment by all of the great publications at Bauer Media, when we get our finest minds together from all of the motoring titles and discuss all of the things that have been happening in the motoring week. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Most of the times it's stuff that we probably shouldn't be talking about in any other story for fear of losing our jobs. I don't do this by myself because that would be boring. Uh, I am joined each week by a representative of one of the mastheads. And this week is one of our regulars, Andy Enright, deputy editor of Wheels magazine. Thank you for coming back again. G'day. Frankly, it's a miracle. I thought you'd have learnt by now. But no, he keeps coming back for more. Glutton for punishment. And sitting to his immediate proximate left uh, is Cameron Kirby... Uh, junior, no, no, you're not junior writer. What are you now? You're, a, I'm going to say you're a, staff journalist. You're staff journalist and motorsport legend, basically the person who knows more about racing cars than anyone else in the office, uh, and also represented Wheels magazine. So I'm feeling massively outnumbered today in the studio, guys. On today's show. We will be discussing, Cam uh, is back from some very exciting experiences. He was at the 12 hour, the Bathurst 12 hour, and he's also driven a TCR race car. Um, and he will be telling us about the Ledford Festival, which is something that happens in New Zealand. And I will be talking about Honda's 50th birthday in Australia. So let's get on with it. First up, Camshaft. You were in New South of Wales and you were at the Bathurst, one, no, Bathurst 12 hour. Uh, which is what? Please tell us a little about that. Well, the Bathurst 12-hour is, as it says on the tin, a 12-hour race at Bathurst, Mount Panorama, as we know it. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't at the, the track this year. Uh, oh, I've... hang on. Oh, right. Can you please ask Cam to leave? It's got completely wrong end of the stick here. I, I, can, I can just... I, can just... <laughs> I did watch the entire thing. I mean, I was a big... Of course you did. You're such a diehard. <laughs> you, will, you will make sure that there's a device in front of you with every race that's happening at any given time in the world. It is true. I do bring my uh, my laptop to work to watch racing during work hours. Uh, but no, I was up at 5.30 on the couch, manning the, manning the couch to watch it. So it is a 12-hour race at Mount Panorama. Uh, featuring GT3 cars, so Lambos, Audis, Bentleys with massive wings, big engines, uh, and it's fantastic. And this year's race was a cracker, as almost every race at Mount Panorama always is. So what were the highlights then? Why why was it so memorable and good? Uh, it was a thrilling finish, I think, is the, is the major thing. So it was a very fast race, most importantly. Uh, they broke the distance record over 12 hours. They did uh, almost 2,000 kilometres, average speed of 161 kilometers an hour and with 20 minutes to go there was a safety car which caused them all all the leaders to be right on top of each other uh they really had sort of 15 minutes at the end of the safety car period there were seven cars in contention all of them could win it and it was the best 20 minutes of racing that you will see for a long time now that's a bit better than the year before wasn't it because they finished under safety car last year didn't they yeah there was a horrific crash last year which uh was awful to watch and see and they they ended it under red flag conditions but no this year we got to see an australian hero slash porsche star matt campbell absolutely charged through the field so at the end of the final safety car period he was sitting third and he had two very very talented uh europeans in front of him and he did some of the best passing manoeuvres uh, I have seen in a long time in a GT3 car to get to the lead, and it was absolutely excellent to see. So, the big question is, is this the premier race in Australia now? Because the more times I watch Bathurst 12-hour, the more I hear people talking about 
it's better than the 1000. Now, is that sacrilegious or is there some truth in it? It it's 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 both it's both sacrilegious and there is truth to it. It really depends on what you're Ooh, looking for. Ooh, nicely done. Girl. Yeah, sitting on the fence going to get splinters <laughs> from that one. Uh, it is the Bathurst 1000 will always be the biggest motorsport event in Australia. It is just an icon of motorsport globally. The thing with the 12 hour though is for fanatics like me, but even the average punter, it is a more accessible event. It's cheaper to get to, you get more racing, there's less people, uh, there's more manufacturer interests. The pit lane is filled with really sexy metal. Like they have this like mini car show that you can go and look up and see like they had the Porsche GT2 RS Club Sport first time it was in Australia cool. so from that from that angle it is it is the event you would want to go to most as a as a punter it is the one that I would recommend someone to go to and like I was about to say then I'm not as much of a motorsport diehard as you are and but that's stating the completely bloody obvious because I can't find anyone who's as much a motorsport diehard as you are um but for someone who isn't completely into racing and doesn't perhaps know much of the backstory for me the thing that is so enjoyable is you is you you can see the connection between the race cars and road cars definitely and most motorsport it's very difficult to do that and see that link certainly in formula 1 because there's nothing else like it you buy for the road supercars to an extent you know they do look a bit like a road car but you know pretty much underneath they're just a steel frame and nothing to do with the road car in this racing series the cars are really relatable i mean they might mm. be out of, they're very aspirational they might be out of everyone's um price uh budget but you can still see that connection i think definitely like uh all the cars have to start as the road car chassis so the audi for example it rolls off the production line as a audi r8 chassis that then is going put on something like 85 percent of the the parts carry over and that kind of thing that's amazing isn't most it? of the cars have the same engine as their production version the only one that doesn't uh, doesn't is the Mercedes AMG GT. They've still got the old 6.3 liter V8, which is great because it sounds absolutely tremendous. It sounds like a World War II bomber going yeah. down the straight. The thing is fantastic. Has anyone seen Andy? Hello. Oh, there he is. Excellent. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, good. I, right. I thought we'd killed him. I thought he would. I thought he just wandered out from it. I must admit, I was very captivated by uh, Cameron's regaling of the uh, Bathurst thousand and. Wondered whether uh oh the twenty the twelve hour and wondered whether his girlfriend has forgiven him yet for <laughs> hogging the sofa for twelve hours. No, you, <laughs> you don't have to know the amount of favors I have to pull to be able to steal the TV for twelve <laughs> hours straight. Have you ever been, Andy? No, I would like to go to the twelve hour. It looks pretty fascinating, I must say. Um, would you so pick of? Would you go? What, if you could only go to one one in the year, would it be the twelve hour or the one thousand? It would be the twelve hour for me. The cars are like you say relatable, and I. I just feel that I've missed the peak years of the Bathurst Thousand with the proper bad behaviour, the flaming toilet rolls, the turning um, toilets <laughs> over on people and, and burning cars. And, and I couldn't live with myself having so Andy's out. Andy's out. Unless it feels like some kind of apocalypse or riot, Andy does not interest in at all. He needs a real war zone vibe to yeah, enjoy anything. Yeah, totally. yeah, like fire festival. <laughs> so is it gaining momentum? Every year it seems like more and more people are interested and yeah. De- definitely. More people are going than ever. Uh, the field is growing usually this this year was one of the first years that it actually shrunk but that's not a bad thing for racing uh and that's the other thing is the field is is huge there's like 40 30 cars on the grid there's multiple classes like so there's passing going on every single lap no matter what because there are slower cars and faster cars and they're always going around so the event is growing massively it's got huge international traction the audience for it internationally I'd say would rival the thousand now. If people weren't lucky enough to be there or ha- didn't happen to be in front of a television at the right time, is there any way you can watch it or the highlights or something? Uh, there were some highlights on YouTube. Yeah. Um, 
but unfortunately, no, there there isn't like a full package that you could watch or, or rewatch. There is a live stream on the Bathurst Twelve Hour site. They might have something that you could rewatch. YouTube now, what's that? That's it. There is there is one video yes. that is actually on Motor. Oh, uh, superb! Yes, they they uh, shared an onboard footage from Shane Van Gisbergen's car in the final laps, and it is brutal. The guy is using two feet to brake. Their car was a, a pig all day. Wow. And so usually with race car drivers, they use one foot to brake. I would have thought he'd just press the brake pedal rather than actually putting his feet out of the door. Like, yeah. <laughs> is it, like, was it a Flintstones car or Yeah, what? just I mean, straight to the floor plan. Yeah, right. That, that, that car was, was the dream team package, wasn't it? Yeah. the race? It really was. Everyone was expecting great things from it, but uh, I suppose expectation can be a cruel mistress. And again, in essence, I mean, that doesn't that make a good race? If you, if you went in knowing exactly who was going to win and all the ins and outs, then you wouldn't watch it, would you? Exactly. You know, they, they were having a lot of car troubles. There we are. The Bathurst 12-hour. If you haven't seen it before, then it sounds like it's one of the picks, one of the premier motorsport events of the year. Also something else, if you haven't caught, then I want to know why, and something you should definitely do something about, which car television is still going strong, uh, which is great to say, because it's it's five episodes now, I think. If you haven't yet seen all of our ugly mugs on TV, then make sure you are in the right place at the right time. That is 4pm on Sunday afternoons on Channel 10, where you can watch the latest episode of Which Car? And there's absolutely every reason you should this week, because I'm back on. (laughs) That's the only reason to watch, really. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Anyway, now then, on to the next thing. I would love to talk to Sir Andy of Enrightshire about something called the Leadfoot Festival. Tell us all about that, Andy. Oh, the Leadfoot Festival, yep. That was where I was last weekend over in North Island, New Zealand, up on the beautiful Coromandel Peninsula. And basically, it's a New Zealand rally legend, um, Pikes Peak winner, Rod Millen's yes. estate. And they race up his driveway. It's like Goodwood Festival of Speed for the South. And it is a fantastic event. The The course is 1.6 kilometres long, and it is way, way gnarlier than Goodwood. It's been designed by Rod, especially to evoke that Pikes Peak feel of right. going up switchbacks. Yeah. When he when he paved the road, he had some friends say to him, you know, go over there, that's, that's the straight route. And he said, no, I want to find the steepest part of my estate and build the track up that. Oh. And so... It, it climbs up four or five switchbacks and goes through a pine plantation. And when all the drifted cars come through there and fill the whole forest with smoke, it is the wildest thing. It is a really, really fantastic event. So why haven't I heard about this before? Is that because I'm stupid or I'm sort of like a hermit in a cave or I don't do social media very much? Or is it because it hasn't been running very often or long? Um, it's This was the eighth running of okay. the Leadfoot Festival. Um, but... I suppose the issue as much as anything around Leadfoot is that whereas at Goodwood, it's got really big, really corporate, you know, within 100 kilometres of Goodwood, you've got 15 million people right? and 150,000 come each day to Goodwood. And wow. It's lost a little bit of its charm, in, in my opinion. Mm. If you speak to motoring journalists in the UK, they'll say, oh, Goodwood is fantastic, but it was better 15 years ago right. when the racers could leave their helmets on the car and their gloves and tools around and they wouldn't go missing and all the, all that sort of nonsense. Yeah. And going to Leadfoot is like going back in time to that slightly gentler era. era. And there's all this weird New Zealand garagista loveliness there. These right. things that people have built, like there was a, a four-wheel drive Nissan 370Z, um, a Citroen sure. Traction Avant with a 351 Windsor V8. Oh, no, that's um, my kind of thing. 
and there was some big budget stuff. There was the Pikes Peak cars, like Rod Millen's Bentley Bentayga. Um, sorry, Reese Millen's Bentayga. Rod mm-hmm. Millen's uh, 1994 uh, Celica that he won the event in. Just there's so much stuff to look at. And Carl Cox, the famous DJ, was there with his. What was he doing there? Driving very slowly, actually, in his 1965 Shelby GT350R and uh, sort of uh, basking in the glory of wandering around with a race suit on, as far as I can oh, establish. No, I'm sorry. If, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if I've done you a disservice there, Carl. Um, but, yeah, just go faster, mate. <laughs> <laughs> or just don't wear the suit. If you want to meander up there at walking pace, don't put on all the Nomex. <laughs> the, the event was won for the third year on the trot by uh, Alistair McRae, um, yep. Colin's brother, in... Uh, in a Subaru WRC car, um, went up there in a course record of 47.99 seconds. Um, wow, that's yeah. that's really fast. Yeah, it's 120 kilometre average, um, which when you think they're going through very, very tight hairpins as well, a series of those, he was really, really hanging it out there. Because you drove the course, didn't you? Yes, I drove up there um, very, very slowly in a in a nice Mazda CX-5. Um, and it's an interesting course. Mad Mike Widdit drove up the course in, in his drift cars, at ludicrous speed but there are jumps and things on the side of it that in one instance he took off in his stadium truck and uh went straight up on the straw bales it, it's it's crazy brilliant it, it is a crazy event but and it's in the most beautiful place Hahe is the most beautiful place i've got to quickly tell you um when i went over there there was a bit of a mix-up with my accommodation and, and mazda supplied me with the address just as i was going through uh immigration yeah um i was getting grilled as to where i was staying so i went to this address uh, in hahe and there were these beach houses clustered around on a hillside um and uh it was an airbnb i the instruction was to go in the back door um let yourself in i'm not saying um, anything about that instruction at all and uh so i spent that spent the whole weekend there came back to auckland airport where i was finally re- reunited with internet and uh <laughs> i was i thought i'll leave them a rev- review of this property so i'm scrolling through the pictures of this thing i'm thinking my place didn't look anything like this and yeah oh, you're kidding. Yes. No. the realization dawned on me that i'd spent the entire weekend in some random stranger's <laughs> house <laughs> you're um, actually kidding me no no so they're, they're gonna think they had a, a quite genteel squatter who's, who's left them coffee and um and breakfast cereal <laughs> That is absolutely <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Leadfoot would 100% recommend. Um, I'd like to go back next year with a film crew with a bigger budget um, and, and get that on Witchcar TV. It's, Only it's a great if, you, if you knew Andy as well as we do at the Bauer Media offices, this kind of story and tale does not come as any surprise anymore. <laughs> it's no. just something about him. I don't know how he sort of attracts these happenings, but that's it. Um, it sounds fantastic. I just love the idea that Rod designed his own driveway specifically to be like what he does for his day job. I mean, this is just like tr- uh, the essence of a total petrolhead, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and he's a really good bloke as well. It's it's uh, He's worked really hard. He's built all of the the barns and things on the property where he houses his amazing car collection. There's, there's a whole nother story of Mazda prototypes that Mazda have kind of forgotten that he's got, that, that, that we need to look into. Wow. Um, so you're saying plenty of reasons to go back. Oh, yes. Um, I, my um, love of the man comes from, he's, he's done the, the most exciting lap or, uh, what do you call it, climb up the hill at Goodwood, 
in his Toyota Tacoma, the Pikes Peak Toyota Tacoma. Oh, yeah. Cam is nodding because obviously he knows every <laughs> motorsport thing that's ever happened. Um, yeah, it is. If you haven't seen it, jump on any, not just YouTube, you can jump on any sort of you know like media streaming site. I'm not, I'm not being favouritist at all. Uh, and yes, try and find Rod Middle going up the hill at Goodwood in a Pikes Peak Toyota Tacoma. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, he he came fourth in this year's event. 68 years old. Did he take would, his ball and go home? <laughs> would probably have won if he hadn't just bogged one gear change down. So right. the guy, the guy still got it. Yeah, but hang on, does that if he'd won, would everyone have gone? Yeah, whatever, mate. Probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I reckon it's probably best he didn't come in the top. Okay, well, that's gone on my list of things that I absolutely have to do before I die. Um, and I cannot wait to hear of your account. When you in- invariably go back and start looking in depth at these collections of cars, it sounds, yeah, another good reason to head down to across the ditch and to the, um, the Green Islands. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to talk to Cam about a very exciting thing he did. Um, and he has basically not stopped talking about it The and will not stop talking about his drive of a TCR car for the rest of his life. But before that, we have a little discussion because... A good friend of ours has turned 50. It is, of course, Honda Australia. 50 years in Australia. Can you believe it? Like, I mean, obviously I can't because I haven't been on Earth for 50 years or in Australia for that matter. So, um, yeah, that is a long time to be kicking around. And they've been through their highs and lows. But Honda has turned 50. And to celebrate their golden anniversary, they uh, basically wrapped one of everything they make in gold. Which sounds great because you immediately go to the NSX and you go to the Type the Civic Type R, which is amazing. Both in gold wrap, they look amazing. But they literally have done everything, including one of their little portable generators, <laughs> which I think is so cute. I, I love that photo because I'm looking at like, They had this great group shot that was really top down of all these things. I'm like, why is there a gold nugget in the middle? <laughs> what is going on? Like, is that like... It's a welcome stranger. <laughs> yeah, what's going on on the screen? And yeah, it's this little tiny generator that is... It's so cute. So they did a motorbike. They did a lawnmower as well, I think. Oh, the gold is... lawnmower is money. It, yeah. <laughs> that is like... Is, isn't it? If, if Floyd Mayweather was ever mowing his lawn, that's that's what he chose. <laughs> that is suburban supremacy at its finest. Yeah. It is wonderful. And I just think it's... But it really highlights just how much Honda do. And, and you can it's easy to forget that, actually. That if you picked any other brand, literally, who can brag that they make everything from a plane to a generator and everything in between? Which brings me to my next point, which is... They didn't do the plane, did they? No. That's really sad. I mean, mm. can you imagine how pimping a gold Honda jet would have looked? And it would have been a straight flex on every other car company in yes, the country. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Honda, if you're listening, happy birthday. You kind of missed the mark by just a little bit. But anyway, it takes us in perfectly into the conversation of, over the course of 50 years, gentle folk, what was your favourite Honda? It's a hard one for me because there's two standouts straight away, which, okay. is, which is the Honda NSX. Which one? First gen for okay, me. Okay, yeah. Uh, and the S2000. Yeah, okay. And while the NSX uh, is so attractive because it's so iconic and, for me, the motorsport link of Ant and Senna, I think the S2000 has to win for me. One, for its great Atmo engine and the fact that it's a little bit more affordable and more approachable. And I think that's really great. It's like this sports car roadster that uh, was for the people. I love it. Did Have you ever driven one? Unfortunately not. I'd love to. Me neither. And I don't even want to go anywhere in it. I just want to rev it to 8,500 RPM or whatever. Because for a long time, that was the car that had the highest rev limit of any production car. And it has a great taco as well. It's like this digital readout that like goes right across the instrument cluster. Gee, do you think they're trying to make something of the fact that revs higher than anything else? <laughs> yeah, come <laughs> that, on. That, I remember, point I, to make. I remember driving one of those up to uh, my apartment in London. It was a really narrow road. Hmm. And I, I thought, that sounded fantastic. Revved it right up to the max fairly late at night, I must admit. 
Um, so I went round the block to do it again. And uh, when I got up to my house, there was a man standing in the middle of the road with a shovel above his head <laughs> and chased me. <laughs> I had to re- reverse all the way back down this narrow street at about 8,000 RPM in a in I'm the just going to repeat my statement from previously. This kind of stuff just happens to Andy all the time. Okay, I've got a worse one. Um, the, the Honda that I would choose would be the Mark 1 3.2 NSX because I owe a great debt to Honda UK for driving their press car through a brick wall into a fireworks factory. Right. Now, <laughs> hang on. So, okay. So, walking into someone else's property and spending a lovely weekend there without them knowing, being chased by a man with a shovel. Um, these two I can just about stretch my imagination to, but are you for 100% real, Andy? Yes. Yeah. You drove an NSX. Uh, Threw a brick wall into a fireworks factory. I did, and Honda never forgot. I remember years later, <laughs> I, I looked at um, a briefing sheet that they'd provided for their new PR, and it said, um, Andy Enright, very influential, many outlets, crashed Honda and SX. <laughs> <laughs> the reason they haven't forgotten, Andy, is because there's still Catherine wheels and Roman candles going off somewhere in England yes. because of your antics. Yes, yeah, it was, a, it was a very regrettable incident, and it was 100% my fault. Can you, is it worth detailing i mean i'm intrigued how does how do those circumstances happen fascinating um it was on a photo shoot and i came round a corner with with some gusto <laughs> and uh, <laughs> unfortunately my 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 oversteering antics were um interjected by uh, by a fireworks factory and <laughs> I bounced off the fireworks factory and uh, into a parked transit van. Um, wow. So I, 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 I created this extravagant trail of destruction. And, wow. Uh, I, I haven't crashed anything since. That was, that was last century. Don't may, may speak I too soon. I'm finding wood things in the studio to touch on your behalf. You it, it, it was a good one to have on As I say, what on a your send-off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, each week, Andy will be bringing his crash of the week to us <laughs> because he's told me some great stories of stuff he's crashed and I really want the world to know about them. Um, okay, well, I'm going to weigh in with mine and it is the CRX. I mean, I just think for a, a second generation. First one was cool. Third generation was just should never have happened. The second generation Honda CRX was just so cool. It sort of blended. You know, we talk about car companies who... Uh, are doing coupe SUVs. Well, they did like a coupe hatchback back in the mid 80s and and actually early 90s as well. Um, It just is a supremely cool looking thing. It is the purest driving car, little high revving 1.6 litre engine, front wheel drive, really, really brilliant um, fizzy chassis. It's just, and it's still to this day, it looks so cool. Brilliantly clean design, unmistakably Honda. It even has a bit of the NSX's sort of nose on it. I just, I absolutely love that thing. And so when we, we were coming up with our ideas for this and we were discussing Honda turning 50 this, this uh, week, I thought, I'll go online and I'll just, I wonder if I've got room home for a little CRX. And I went, what? 15 grand for a CRX? You're kidding me. I'm not. That's incredible. I mean, when did these things come? I remember when I left the UK a long time ago, you could not give them away. No. Mostly because all the ones in England have turned into a pile of brown powder on the floor. Uh, but yeah, like, I couldn't believe it. The power of the JDM tax. Totally. Has anyone ever driven a CRX? I have not, no. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yes. It survived the experience, I'm, I'm glad to report. So, but, uh, no, it, it's a really, really good car. And it's just indicative of Honda being Honda, you know. Yeah. When they introduce, you know, the Prelude, four-wheel steer, the VTEC, the... Integra Type R, all these great cars, a cool Type R, hugely underrated car. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're on their game, 
there's very little that can touch Honda. Absolutely right. And I'm pleased that at least you're here, Andy, because you're the only person who's driven any of the cars that we've hit. <laughs> but then Andy is 550 years old, so it's, you know, it's had a lot longer to get it all done. Um, going back to the S2000, actually, no, this applies to both the... So I win because my car isn't the one that is deadly to drive. So the, the NSX and the S2000, I'm told, both have really dark sides to them on the limit. That is true. And even to the point where some people have suggested that Senna did it as a joke. That when he was de- <laughs> developing the, the um, NSX, he wove, developed into the chassis this thing that at the absolute limit would bite you in the ass and spit you off the road. And, and apparently, like people who do drive the S2000, and it's just got this dreadful snap over steer nature at the limit. Now, the S2000 was a handful. The first one, um, they, they introduced a lot of measures later on with that car. But I remember the first car um, showing it to Matt Becker, who was then the lead engineer, um, Chassis Dynamics at Lotus. And they, they said they were looking at this car and just laughing at Lotus, thinking, you know, what, what the hell are Honda doing with this vehicle? Um, so it was a quite unusual thing, the, the first gen S2000. Very, very exciting. Well, that's all well and good. But when I get my S2000, I'm going to roll it about <laughs> two metres out of my garage, put the door up, and just sit on the limiter. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, I totally. don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why you buy that car. It's, it might be fun to drive. It might be a bit tricky on the limiter. But the absolute thing that, to revel and enjoy with that car is that amazing engine. Yeah. Happy birthday, Honda. I can't wait for that. What's the next anniversary after gold? I, I'm just trying to predict what they're going to wrap their cars in next. Anyway, that's one for off yet. Camshaft. That's me. I would like to uh, wind things up by talking about probably the most exciting day of your entire life. I wouldn't disagree with you there. You got the chance to drive a TCR car. Please tell us all about it. He didn't. He watched it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Enright has been a fool. Uh, yes, so I got to drive a TCR car, specifically the Hyundai i30N TCR car. Very, you know, easy to say. I'm very jealous of that, actually. Yeah, It is 100%. excellent. So for the uninitiated, a TCR car is a, a touring car, a racing car. Uh, it's a category which is starting up in Australia this year. Uh, about mid-year, they'll start running. Uh, and they're based on sort of hatchbacks and some sedans. Uh, so Golf GTI, i30... Uh, Audi RS3, uh, Honda Civic Type R. That's the kind of shape and size we're going with here. So they're front drive, four-cylinder, two-litre petrol-powered turbo cars. Uh, and the thing was amazing. Um, it is. It was honestly one of the best days of my life. I just cannot get it out of my head how much fun a race car is. Um, so the the thing for me is I got to drive both the i30N road car and the race car back-to-back. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes, so it gave a really good... Uh, yeah showed how much different a race car is because while the race car is based on a production car and has a production-based engine, they are worlds apart. So with the road car, it was a Wakefield Park, kind of tight, twisty circuit. You are managing your speed in relation to the corner quite a lot so you don't get into understeer. It's very easy just to end up in bucket loads of understeer and spearing off into the grass. Whereas the race car, it's got these big, fat Michelin slick tyres off the front of a Carrera Cup car, Porsche car. Fantastic. And it's got a big rear wing and big splitter and proper aero. So it has way more grip than you can give it speed for a lot of the corners, which means it will just barrel into corners at crazy speed and grip and grip and grip. Um, I initially started rolling around being very careful because this thing costs a quarter of a million dollars, even though it's a hatchback. (laughs) And I wasn't mine. I was the second person to drive it ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the nerves were, uh, yeah, quite, quite, quite high up. And 
the, the thing for me that was most impressive is it just encouraged you to drive faster. It didn't have that, what you would expect from a race car where it's just set to kill the whole time and it will spit you off and it will bite your head off. This thing wanted to encourage you to go faster. It had lots of grip. It was very approachable. And I was closer to the professional racing driver in the race car than I was in the road car. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, which 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 is not like some sort of brag. It it is an instruction. No, that's of... genuinely interesting. It's like I would have thought it'd be the opposite. Now we at Wheels we rate the i30n road car really really highly, and it it was the quickest thing around the track in our yeah hot hatch track test. But how much quicker was the race car than the road car? Ten seconds <laughs> at Wakefield Park. So it's 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 a it's a one minute something lap. So. Uh, they were they got down to a one minute one in the in the TCR car. It was one minute eleven in the road car. So it, within t- ten laps time, or six laps time, sorry, the 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 race car is coming up on lapping the road car. That is amazing. And for perspective on how fast a one hundred one is, a Carrera Cup car, like a Porsche Carrera Cup car, does a fifty nine fifty eight sort of area at yeah. that. So it is massively quick, this thing. It is a proper race car with proper speed. So you were going at a fair old clip, I heard, about 107. 107.5. Yeah. Which yeah. is around what Warren Luff did in a 997 turbo Porsche. Bloody or or a GT3. So, you know, that's well, pretty watch good. Watch out. I mean, you you know, first you're hearing him on Which Car Weekly. Next you'll be seeing him on Sunday afternoons at Bathurst or something. Yeah, and ask, asking us to sign his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I need to convince Alex to uh, to pay for a round, uh, which is uh, not cheap. It's if about... it's anywhere as easy as getting a round of drinks out of him, then good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you, wanted to, uh, if you wanted to rock up to one of these race teams and say, hey, I want to race, what is it going to cost? You need to find about $300,000 down the back of your couch. Wow, okay. It's not. It's not going to be a cheap experience, but it's going to be a fun experience. <laughs> That's going to be a lot cheaper than many of the. Seats. Oh yeah. If if you, if you so I was informed that a seat at a top tier Super Two team, which is the one under Supercars for a year, is eight hundred thousand dollars. And I guarantee Cam will be spending the rest of his life trying to find that sort of cash. And absolutely justified as well, Cam, because I am deeply, deeply jealous. It was it was truly excellent. Congratulations. But as I say, I do hate you a little bit now. Gentlemen, can you believe it is that time again? We have completely run out of time. Good heavens. But thank you so much to Andy Enright and Cameron Kirby. Um, hope to see you back on here very soon on Which Car Weekly, your week of all things automotive in review. Uh, next week, we've got more exciting things coming up, hopefully. Uh, uh, Scotty has been away this week, but that's because he was last seen disappearing off into the middle of nowhere in a Ford Ranger Raptor. He will come back with no doubt with some good footage of that. Uh, and Alex will be back having driven a brace of topless hotties. And I will tell you a little bit more about that next week. Until then, do make sure you keep up to date with us at whichcar.com.au. We're making it much easier for you to download the podcast. Keep your eyes on the website because we've got our own little tab coming up for podcasts. And in the meantime, do keep all four wheels in contact with the road. And if you can't, then tell us about it because we love hearing about that kind of thing. My name is Daniel Gardner. Until next week, safe driving. <laughs>